Hey, Jordan. Hey, Joe. Why did the cow go to heaven? Why did the cow go to heaven? Because he wanted to be with the cattle that the father owns on a thousand hills. <laughs> welcome to the, hey, sacred, welcome to the sacred cows podcast. podcast you beat me to it that's not fair uh, well Cut i gotta that. do redo something. it <laughs> <laughs> do you want to just handle all the intro i just stand here yeah you're just the pretty face oh okay <laughs> i can get behind that you just the pretty face and the equipment and the no you can do the intro go for it hey, go Joe. for it right now <laughs> hey jordan <laughs> did you also why did go- the cow go to heaven <laughs> why did- <laughs> Why did, I forget the joke are you, immediately. I hope you know I put a lot of work into that one specifically. It was. I'm not gonna lie. I did like tune out halfway through because I kept expecting the punchline to come, and then it never came. And then so, I was like, "Oh, he's still going." Did you just for it. like too long? Didn't read me. Well, I like. I figured the punchline would be short, and you know what happens. You know that thing where you like expect to get all the information very quickly but then you don't so you didn't like take in what okay the so what said you're before. telling me is that wasn't a good joke and i need to no, try it, again no okay. okay yeah go ahead Jordan, try again why did the cow go to heaven why because the holy spirit moved in his heart nice that one see that one was good <laughs> that was you, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah do you have uh several jokes that just start with the same the same line well i will so oh my god do you want me to explain to you my process for coming up with these jokes uh yeah i do so i knew that because this is an exclusive hot topic or hot take whatever it's called uh we're talking about animals in heaven um today so i wanted to i knew that i wanted to have a joke about animals going to heaven yeah and it's so you came up with a couple yeah, well, I knew where it was starting, and then Dang. from there, there was a couple of different places I could take it, and I may or may not have like done a lot of Googling and chat GPT and yeah, try yeah. and figure out the perfect one. <laughs> but honestly, everything that chat GPT came up with was super Arminian, mm-hmm. and I wasn't about that, so... Chat GPT is Arminian, so... Yeah, well, to be honest, I tried, why did the Calvinist cow go to heaven? And it, it just it try, kept happen. trying to explain to me what Calvinist was. <laughs> <laughs> did it do a good job? Uh, because this is what it came up with. Because it was predestined for eternal pasture. That's funny. That's, That's funny. a good you joke. You like that one? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Jordan I like thinks that, that Chad GPT is funnier than That's I am. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, and you didn't use that one? <laughs> Uh, why did I'm the cow kidding. choose to go to heaven? Why? Because he heard the grass is always greener on the other side. That one's pretty good too. That's a Chat GPT yeah. one too. I'm dude, they're dude, I'm so disappointed that I can be replaced by Chat GPT. Yeah, you heard well, it here we, first. Jordan wants to just replace me with Chat GPT. We all can be replaced by AI, Joe. That's why it's that's why it's scary. Give me one second. I'm gonna put that down in our podcast topics for the future. <laughs> AI. AI perf you want to talk about ai sometime in the future yeah when we run out of good things to talk about (laughs) (laughs) uh what are what are we what are we talking about today joe what are we getting at? so we're talking about animals in heaven Mm -hmm. and i think it's appropriate to talk about like what we think about when this we start conversations because um to be honest uh 
we'll just talk about what we, we believe up front is I don't think animals do go to heaven and we're going to spend the rest of the topic. And I think they do. We're going to spend the rest of the podcast, like talking about why mm-hmm. and like how we rationalize things and break down individual ideas and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so don't, we can have some nuance to this conversation, by the way, just don't tune out because you think one of us thinks a specific way. If you've even tuned in to begin with, to be honest with you, because why would you tune in to listen to us talk about stupid stuff? That's not like actually animal stupid. souls. Yeah, like animal souls. Um, but so I always like speaking of uh, animal souls. <laughs> hey, bud. My goal at the end of this is for you to look at Zipper in the eye and tell him he's not going to heaven. (laughs) Introducing our guest (laughs) co-host. You just going to sit there, bud? Okay. You don't have anything to say for yourself? He's hanging out, I guess. Yeah, why not? I was raised in a very Christian conservative background. Mm -hmm. uh, And and when you think of conservative, just every possible stereotype for conservatives, more or less, like Christian conservatives. So my dad like hunted mm-hmm. and stuff like that and we just didn't have a very high view of animal life in general yeah uh and that was actually one of the things that i had to spend a lot of time thinking about like in you know college and when you talk about uh what a soul is and things like that is like what is the place for you know god's creation and the creation of other life and what is our relationship to that and what does that look like but growing mm-hmm. up we just didn't have a a high i don't know I don't want to say we didn't have a high value for animals, but mm-hmm. uh, we didn't have pets, so yeah. I have no, I have no fond, no, no fond memories of animals. We had one. My brother had one dog one time, mm-hmm. and I had to take care of it when he went away for a summer. And, and you're like never again, <laughs> never again. That was awful. It was pretty terrible. Yeah. So I don't have like fond memories of animals or stuff like that. So I have no horse in the game, so to speak, pun intended. Mm-hmm of the conversation of whether or not animals go to heaven or not, because I don't mm-hmm. have any pets that will ever see me if they do go to heaven. <laughs> yeah. That I won't ever see again. Okay. So like, just so that you know that going into this conversation. Sure. Yeah. So you hate animals. That's I don't, what I got. yes, exactly. exactly. I hate I animals. Heard. Actually, your Joe cat hates animals. Your cat, this cat specifically is the only cat that I've ever liked. He's Fun pretty fact, cool. He's a pretty rad cat. You don't like my other cat? Just he's that okay. One? He's, he's not like my favorite, yeah. but this one's the best one. Yeah. <laughs> the, oh, now it leaves. <laughs> when I start saying nice things about it, it goes away. Yeah. Just like me. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I get... So my experience was similar, I guess, in a way, but opposite. Like my family were big hunters and fishers and um i love fishing and so yeah yeah we should go fishing sometime we should go fishing sometime yeah do you want to have the podcast on like a boat that would be fishing a fun bonus episode or something um but we did have a lot of pets growing up we had so many uh animals in our house just like constantly all the time like i think we pretty much always had two dogs uh, we had a cat most of my life growing up. Um, we had two ferrets for a couple of years. So we we were like animaled out. And that's not... I would like to think that why I think that animals do have souls and why they do have... There's some uh, aspect of eternity to animals is not simply because I had them and I like them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... 
uh, I'm sure that factors into it, right? You can't get rid of yeah, all your I would, bias. I wouldn't assume that that's why, like, you would think that. Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of the people I've come in contact with, it's really that they want so badly their pet to be there when they go to heaven to be with Jesus. Like, and because they have, like, this special, unique relationship. And I would never downplay that because pets are cool. Like, I understand mm-hmm. that. Um, it definitely factors into it for me because I don't have that experience. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I don't assume that just because like you had a beloved pet means that that's what the primary influence on your theology is. Yeah. But, but it could be. It could be. And I've definitely mm-hmm. met people before where it's like, oh, I had to tell my kid that our Fido died, and I have to rationalize this somehow <laughs> to our child. And so it's like, yeah, I guess now that I be- I believe that because I had to tell my kid that. And, situations like that where it's like i don't know what else to say so we'll see him again yay Mm -hmm. uh which kind of sounds a little bit like a cop-out to me but i've never had to have that conversation before so yeah are you never gonna you uh and your wife are never gonna have a pet no so she's the opposite of me completely Mm -hmm. she grew up with tons of animals uh so she had to do like it's sort of like a mini farm Mm-hmm. Um, and she had to do a lot of work with them from time to time and she just didn't have good experiences with them. Yeah. And she's a very clean person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, when you live on like a pseudo mini farm, it's not very clean all the time and you have right. to clean it up all the time. Uh, so she just didn't have a good experience with that. So when we got yeah. married, we just, we were just both like, yeah, this isn't a value that we have. So we can yeah. feel our relationship needs are filled with each other. We don't need a. <laughs> we don't need a little me, cute each other thing. and God and Jesus. Not Amen. Uh, so we just didn't need any pets, and we didn't really care to have any. Interesting. Is that really interesting to you, Jordan? Uh, it is. I guess it is just because I'm a big animal person. Yeah. So like, not that like I'm not gonna say, oh, I couldn't imagine life without my cats or anything but uh i do think that like having pets adds something to like the home experience and it definitely gives you i don't know i just so i uh we got i grew up with animals and then we um after i got married i got my wife our first cat because uh i was working in the jail at that time and uh really really long hours and so we pretty much never saw each other and i was like Mm -hmm. well i don't want her to just like be home alone constantly and miserable because it was it was making her miserable so yeah i surprised her with the cat yeah and just that little thing like having another living thing to hang out with and take care of made such a huge difference for her and i feel like just in general they make they I don't know. I I think uh, home life is improved by having a pet, but that is probably just like a personality thing. So mm-hmm. I'm not trying to knock you guys for not wanting a pet. Yeah, I, I definitely think that there's an aspect of, and we can use this as a little bit of a segue, but um, in creation to, you know, when Adam and Eve are created and they're given dominion over the animals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely an aspect to that where I think that part of, you know, the human existence is being able to steward and take care of other living things. Yeah. Um, not just your children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that 
how you treat animals and interact with animals because they've sort of been placed, you know, in some sense under humanity says mm-hmm. a lot about you. And I think that we're created to have a relationship with them, whether or not we live in like a home with animals or not. Like we yeah. have to interact with them somehow. Mm-hmm. We share the world with them. We're given stewardship of them and we should take care of them. So. I do want to talk uh, eventually because this is one thing that I'm super passionate about that I think that uh, Christians or I, I will rephrase. We keep using uh, Christians as a as a general term. I think that Western evangelicals in general, not all the time, generally uh, are do not hold life very sacred and they tend to not treat creation very well. So you mean eventually to clarify life aside from human life correct yeah yeah so like i am again this is this is off topic and i already feel like this is going to be a long podcast so maybe (laughs) we can save that for another time but Uh, anyways your wife says that long form content is the move that's true and she's so smart (laughs) i so i personally have the very very strong conviction and some of this might just be because I'm a little bit of a bleeding heart, which is totally true. But I have the strong conviction that Christians should not ever take life unnecessarily, even animal. And I would go as far as to say insect life, like anything that wow. is living and has any form of like consciousness or uh, embodiment you should treat with some dignity and that does not mean that i am like a pacifist against killing things ever like i obviously i i like fishing i just think that there has to be a purpose to it and i think that christians often will just like kill things and not think about it and the reason the reason i hold so strongly to this idea is because god is the giver of life right mm-hmm. would you agree joe yes which means god breathes life into every living thing that exists yeah which means that we as stewards should not take life from something that god has given life to without a good reason for it we just shouldn't like needlessly kill things sure that's my whole viewpoint i feel like modern western evangelicals are very bad at that and I've met so many Christians who will just like, not even because bugs, bugs are an easy one, right? Like everybody squashes bugs. All yeah, the time, I killed even. five mosquitoes on the way over here. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would say them biting you is a good enough reason to <laughs> I've kill been them in assaulted that scenario. by something that God gave life and I'm defending myself. But I've seen Christians even like go fishing and then instead of like catching and killing and eating the fish, they will like catch it and then throw it on the ground or like chuck it in a lake or something and like be unnecessarily cruel to it or just leave it out like on the shore to just Mm -hmm. flop and die. That's just one example. But I feel like I've seen a lot of people profess faith like that and then just turn around and and not not hold life sacred at Mm -hmm. all. Which again, I understand is a little bit of like a bleeding heart thing. Like I, I, uh, I was driving. We were driving home the other day from our trip, and I accidentally ran over a bird, and it just ruined my mood for huh. the rest of the drive. I was, and you can ask Beth. 
I don't know why I'm like this, but like I hate killing things unnecessarily like that. Like I hit the bird and then I was just angry the entire time. The rest of the drive. I was so upset with myself. So I think uh, I think Christians should hold life more sacred. I don't think they do enough. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Um, I think there's always room to show more value to something that God has created. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really... I don't disagree with any of that. Yeah. I just don't like, so if, if I wanted to be super specific, we could talk about like breaking for animals and stuff like that. Like that doesn't bother me. Like hitting an animal with my car that it ran in front of my car doesn't bother me. Yeah. Like, and I'm not trying to be a tool. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make me sad at all. Like, yeah. And it is, I get it. It's like, oh, the animal like didn't know what was happening and, Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But like, if I, I guess that I, in my mind, if a squirrel went, runs in front of my car mm-hmm. and I swerve, there's a greater chance that I'm going to do damage to myself or my vehicle or whoever else I have, which often is my wife and child in my yeah. car. It's like there was um, a month ago I hit a raccoon and he just like ran straight at my car. Like it wasn't even like, and he tried to keep up with it and then hit my car. And it's like, if I try at any point to swerve, it's the middle of the night, it's raining, like, uh, the chances that I'm going to either destroy my car or injure myself or my wife or my child are pretty high. So I just don't. And I know that's a really specific circumstance, but like at any time, any some, anytime anything runs in front of your car, if you're going to try to swerve to avoid it, especially squirrels in New Hampshire, uh, you're putting yourself and your vehicle at risk. And I don't, I guess I just don't value their life over mine. Uh, I agree. I, I don't swerve to avoid animals. I just, I just feel really bad about it afterwards. Well, I do. And, uh, I don't like, obviously you're justified in, in, uh, you don't want to cause an accident by swerving out of the way to not hit a squirrel. Like if you have to choose between those two things, you hit the squirrel. I would say that's a justified killing. Like that is that is something that you are fine doing. So you can it's, like it's unavoidable. You can roadmap this or like like red web this, right? Where yeah. you can de- how do you determine what is justifiable and what is what isn't? Uh if it's needless. But who determines whether or not it's needless, Jordan? I think you can kind of determine whether or not it's needless based on based on you being a thinking human being do you think you can't determine needlessness no i'm just like trying to figure out like what's the standard for because if you say something is or isn't needless you have to have a standard by which you judge whether it is or isn't needless like everybody has that standard killing uh without a justifiable reason okay well so I mean, you could make the argument that running something over in your car isn't a justifiable reason. Uh, I don't think you could. So I think personally, like I try not to hit things. If I do end up hitting something like I'm not going to take a dangerous course of action to not hit an animal. That's not justifiable in my head because I could possibly cause a human death. Worst case scenario by doing that. 
on the other hand, if I see an animal crossing the street, I'm not going to go out of my way to turn into the animal to intentionally hit it for no reason, Mm -hmm. which people do pretty commonly. That's not like an uncommon thing. I think that's unjustified and cruel towards God's creation. I don't think Christians should do that ever. I don't think Christians should be cruel. Yeah. Like as a rule. Mm -hmm. I think the idea of cruel is that you're like needlessly mean. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. There should be a harsher word than mean, like needlessly aggressive and hurtful for no reason. Like Mm -hmm. that's just not something that anyway. We talked. I guess that just the idea that I'm trying to get at is that like somebody has to, the idea of that something is or isn't justified. Somebody has to justify that, mm-hmm. like, and that's not going to be the same case across the board for every individual. Not everybody has the same like understanding of like, oh, this is what I can do, and this is not okay. Like, yeah, but that's just like that's with everything, you know. Like, uh, you run into the same exact issue now we're gonna start talking about justice if you say something is good or bad there's an object a level of objectivity there yeah right so you have to determine what is good and what is bad to be able to justify that yes so you're we're trying to talk about whether something is right or wrong to do yeah okay and i'm saying it is wrong to kill things without good reason okay yeah that's but who gets to decide what a good reason is and what isn't a good you reason? You do as a steward of God's creation, <laughs> as something made in the image of God, you get to determine in that moment what okay. is justified. Perfect. I hope you make a good determination. Yes, and we'll you pray that everybody makes the best possible one. Yeah. Speaking of the image of God, yeah. I do kind of want to talk about that because like we're going to sort of what are the differences between like a human and an animal to determine whether can determine I, whether or not a animal has a soul or not? Can I predict how this conversation is going to go? Sure. I feel like you and I have two very different understandings of some terminology that we're going to be using and how we're going to be applying that to beings ontologically. And I think this conversation is going to be like an hour and a half of us getting on the same page with okay. what we are communicating, and then we might end up just on the same side. Okay. That's what I'm predicting is going to happen. <laughs> just be like, fine. If Do you I... want to say it that way, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you're not... Uh, I'm not going to say you're not going to convince me that animals have souls, but... It's, it's a pretty hot hot button topic for you. I mean, I don't know any I do not I'm going to say it. Yeah. I do not know a single human being that has given ever given me a good argument in my mind for why animals ha- should have souls. Ah. Well, you might hear your so you first know what? one today or you might not, who knows. Go for it, Jordan. Are we going to talk about are we going to stick to the docket? You want me to jump ahead? We can stick to the docket. Okay. I'm just going to say it like right now. So, yeah. You're bringing up you have written down this Ecclesiastes passage, which I, I think is a yeah. good jumping off point for what we're talking about, right? Okay. Because this is the passage that people talk about when they talk about this conversation, which is 321, which reads, who knows if the human rises up the, excuse me, who knows if the human spirit rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have anything that you want to say about that before? No, go ahead. Okay. So. I mean, this is just the idea here for spirit is the Hebrew word ruach, right? 
if you're a Bible nerd, you're probably this is like one of the first words that you become familiar with. It's just the word for spirit, breath, wind, like sort of the term for those different things. Right. And so that comes right out of Genesis. And when God says that, like he breathed life, like he rocked life. Sorry, for lack of a better term mm-hmm. in my clumsy English uh, into man. And he also does that for animals. Hello, zipper. But the word is the same across the board. Yeah. Right. Is that animals get breathed into and that's what gives them life, gives them life is that God gave them a spirit in some sense. Right. Mm-hmm. And same with humanity is that humanity is given a spirit. Humanity ne- uniquely makes something that distinct gets something that distinguishes it from animals from the get go, which is that they're created in God's image. Mm-hmm. Right. In the likeness of God. So there's a fundamental difference between humans and animals right off the top which is that humans have a unique status that uh, animals don't have in the created order. So they're not only just given stewardship and dominion over animals, but they're also given a unique status that sets them apart from anything else that God has created, anything else that God has created. Okay. How are we doing? I agree. You agree with that? Okay. So what is the image of God? What is the image of God? That's the question. Yeah. What is what do I want to talk about? Because there's a, a lot of different like understandings of what that is and what that mm-hmm. isn't. And it's something that I've, I'm going to sound like a huge Bible nerd. It's something that I've really studied a lot and I've written papers on, mm-hmm. but I understand like upfront, it's probably one of the most like easily disputable topics ever. And nobody really has the same perspective on it. So before we dive into it, I want to know what your understanding of that is, because there are some people who think that is the marker of a soul is that we're created in God's image. Yeah. So what is your understanding of that? My understanding. Well, I would, uh, absolutely disagree. I don't think souls are a unique function of being made in the image of God. Um, uh, I think that is honestly kind of a crazy belief to me. Like that implies that, angels and other spiritual beings also uh don't have souls mm-hmm. which it well, yeah. i guess if you, you could believe go that there. angels aren't created in god's image yeah so i guess you could go there that's just like kind of weird to me and i don't really like that i would say the soul is something um i'm gonna use throughout this conversation i'm gonna use the term ontologically or ontological a lot that just means like a discussion The ontology of something is just talking about its being, what that thing is. The nature of something. Right, correct. So I think a soul is ontologically distinct from the image of God. Okay. They're separate things. So then what is the image? The image, so in my understanding, us being made in the image of God simply means that we hold specific distinctives uh that we share with god that other beings in creation do not share so this is where the conversation gets kind of muddy because like you said everybody has different like ideas of what constitutes being made in the image of god i'll give you my big one i think that a huge uh a huge distinctive that we are granted by being made in the image of God is that we have free will. Mm -hmm. I don't think things... (laughs) I don't think You didn't tell your cat that we were doing a podcast today, (laughs) Jordan. (laughs) I think God, uh, I would say 
God has free will. I was about to say, obviously, that's actually like a pretty disputed topic in Christian philosophy. I would say God has free will. I'd say us being made in the image of God means that we also have free will. I don't think other beings have free will because they're not made in the image of God. I don't think that's the just, only distinctive just, of being made in the image of God. That's just like the biggest example. That comes just to pause mind. it for a second. Yeah. What do you mean by free will? Uh, I mean moral agency. If there are any philosophers listening, I'm a libertarian. Uh, I believe in libertarian free will. So I believe mm -hmm. that uh, creatures with free will have the ability to choose otherwise in given scenarios. Okay. So in theory... Just to clarify, yeah. God has the ability to act inconsistent from his character because he has free will. Because he has the moral agency to choose something other. He has the moral agency to choose. I wouldn't necessarily wrap it he just into never would. his character. I think that's a different I think that's a different question from uh whether or not God can do things. Because the the people who say god doesn't have will they would say god has to god has these essential attributes of his character mm -hmm. so he cannot do anything other than act in those essential attributes that is a much bigger conversation i think there are some huge philosophical issues with that and i think if you, you bring don't that to its logical conclusion there are some some majorly bad things that get wrapped into this. You don't think that God is compelled to act consistent according to his character. I think God chooses to act consistent according to his character. I don't think anything compels God except himself. Okay. So in theory, God could do something that is counter to his character. Correct. If his character is the standard for what is good. I would say so. So God is so, capable of, you ready? God is capable of sinning? Question mark. Yeah, we have talked about this. I, I don't think, think we have talked about this. This I is a completely different podcast episode now. I hope you weren't super invested in whether animals have souls or not. I would say with absolute certainty, it was 100% theoretically possible for Jesus Christ to have sinned. Okay. So that was a possibility. I would say with absolute certainty, yeah. it is not possible for Christ to have sinned. Yeah. This is a different topic, and I cannot wait to get into that. But uh, that would be my understanding of the of the image of God, is that we okay. have these certain you ontological certain... distinctives that we share with God that set us apart from the rest of creation. Okay, so not that's not attached to a soul in any way for you? No. And honestly, it isn't for me either. Uh, I think I have a very, what I'll call an eclectic view of what the image of God is, um, but I do think it's a status um, I think okay. it it's sort of God putting his stamp of approval on humanity and saying, like, you are my representatives on the creation. So I think it's tied to um, status and function in a sense that we're given dominion over things. It's something that we are like all humans have dominion over creation, whether or not and it sort of flows and ties into a little bit of common grace where it's like you don't have to be a believer to be able to experience the benefits of being created in God's image. Mm -hmm. It's muddied because of sin. Um, but Christ restores that, right? Because we're, we're transformed and sanctified further into the image of Christ himself, who was the perfect image from the beginning. Um, so, uh, I don't think it's necessarily tied to soul so much as that we're representatives. And like you said, there's certain distinctives and benefits that we have that make us sort of like God in a sense, 
because he shares those attributes with us. Yeah. Isn't that fun? Because you have to, I love talking about this stuff because you have to be really careful because you, you know, you're like, we're like God, but not yeah. like God. Well, I want to super distinguish us from people who say that we are gods. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because that's not what I think. I think scripture is pretty clear that we're made lower than spiritual beings just a little bit. That's from the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I want to be clear in that sense. I have a lot of room for uh, in my image theology, if you will, to be able to say like, that's like, this is a product of the image of God. Like, uh, but, you know, you do have to be careful. Yeah, that's really interesting. So do you think, um, and I'm, I'm fascinated, so I'm not like pushing back. All of these are genuine questions. Sure. So do you think theoretically God could um, give that same stamp of approval to things that aren't humans? Like, could he just yeah. say, like, all right, right now, humans and squirrels are made in the image of God. And then squirrels also get and that And as much that it's God's creation and he can do with it what he pleases, but sure. I don't think he ever would. Mm-hmm. See, that's the difference between the, like, fundamentally, it's the same issue that we just talked about, is that the only difference between what basically effectively what you and I said in the reasoning is just that you think that he has the capacity to do something like that. I don't think that he ever would do something like that right yeah and i would would like to clarify real quick i want to go back i don't think jesus would have ever sinned right i don't think that's a thing that would have happened maybe that's not a good way for me to put it then maybe it's that i don't think that he could have right yeah it's not that i don't think that god is capable of doing that i just think that to do that would be inconsistent with who he's declared himself to be so he doesn't have the capacity to act outside of the accordance of his character the way that he is god he's the only consistent thing he acts the way that he is consistently with his character yeah and And so he is compelled to act consistently with his character okay i say compelled but you say it in a weird way what do you think yeah i think god does act consistently with his character i don't think that he i ever think does he does anything. too right i just don't think that he has the ability to not act consistently with his character because yeah. he's consistent so do you the think very idea also... of being consistent and being the only thing that is consistent means that you will always do this thing you're always going to act consistently sure yeah yeah so do you think god Theor- so you're I don't, saying I just I just don't think God can sin, dude. I don't. That's yeah, the only yeah, yeah. way that you can say it. Okay. Well, we, because to we do can, that would mean that he would not be consistent with his character in a later episode. We should talk about this in a later episode. So that's my understanding and your understanding. Yeah. So of I, Imago Dei. going back to are your you question, pushing, are you pushing back against my definition? I guess of a, the image. Yeah. Or are you just I don't like think so. I think it's that and this thing also. I. I when it comes to image theology, I always want to say yes and. Yeah. So I think that we the, the problem is that we just narrowly define it. Like the early church fathers mostly defined it as man's intellect. Mm-hmm. And because that's because that's the main thing that they saw that set them apart from animals, right? Was that we had the capacity for higher reason, meaning that you could think about things that were outside of yourself. You could think about abstract concepts. You could rationalize and fo- do philosophy and theology and things like that. Animals don't have that same capacity to do those things. So they hardcore pretty much across the board, unless you know something that I don't, which happens often, by the way, uh, 
thought that it was because man had an intellect, right? And everybody like rolled their eyes and said, what happens to people that, you know, have, you know, mental issues or issues where their brain is damaged or go brain dead because of accidents and things like that. Uh, and I'm not saying that that's the only I'm broadening the scope and saying it is that man has capacity for intellect. It is that man has capacity for reason. And it's so much more than that. It's that man has, you know, something specific that sets them apart. So in every way that we're set apart from other beings, I would say is a mark that we're created in God's image. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially the idea that we can have unique relationships, you know, Mm -hmm. with other people that we can have relationships with God in a unique, special, intimate way, I think is a mark of the image of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, In context of scripture, I mostly think that it's, we're stamped as representatives of God in the earth. I think that's the main point that they're trying to get across. Yeah. Or that Moses in Genesis is trying to get across. I agree. Uh, really, you think Genesis was written by Moses? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Mostly. I think... But, I, uh, I agree. I guess eventually we should talk about uh, Trinity theology and how... Because I think that definitely plays into the image of God. Uh, for example, I don't think we could be present in the Trinity in the way that we are without being uh, made in God's image. Mm-hmm. So... That's an interesting rabbit trail. I agree. But I just wanted I would... to bring the image thing up and distinction because, like I said, there's people that think that, A, that's a soul. The image is the soul. Right. And B, the idea is that this is what sets us apart because we can actually have what we would call higher thought. Mm-hmm. Um, that So I think... I've stated pretty emphatically that I think the soul and the Imago Dei image of God are two separate things. Which leads us into our next question, Joe. What is a soul? How would you define soul? Are you asking me to like put my, like, which theological category do you fit into? Are you a dualist? <laughs> like, are you a, tri- what, uh, what is it called? I don't remember. A uh, I'm having flashbacks to freshman theology <laughs> class. Uh, I guess I like what it, when we talk about soul, and I I I think I can get into this a little bit more if you want. I feel like I, before going to college, had a very poor understanding of the soul, and I just kind of assumed. Uh, maybe implicitly, I just kind of assumed that soul and spirit were like the same exact thing and they're interchangeable. Okay. So and that's I feel a like, hot topic. Yeah. I feel like that is a pretty <laughs> commonly held belief. Hot topics for us are not hot topics for anybody else. <laughs> it's, just, it's like, oh, that, the spirit-soul distinction, that's a huge hot topic. It's like, yeah. no, nobody yeah. thinks about that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess... Uh, what so. Talking about the spirit soul distinction, do you think those two things are distinct? And then what? How like how would you define a soul? Uh, what is scripturally a soul? those things are distinct because they're right. not the same word and they're not the same concept in the Old Testament, right? Mm-hmm. Within that Ecclesiastes passage, right? The spirit is breath, wind. It's essentially the thing that sort of keeps your body functioning, and that's the spark of life, right? Yeah, it's the thing that God gave you that keeps you going. Right, right. Uh, the it, thing that God is constantly giving you, right, every second to keep going. 
Amen. Um, Hallelujah. Pray, that'll preach. Praise up. <laughs> uh, the soul is different. It's the Hebrew word nefesh, right? Mm-hmm. And it's more tied to your physicality. Like, I guess the best example I could think of is like in, in like when the Titanic sank. It's like, oh, however many souls died, lost at sea. Like, mm-hmm. it's a sort of older way of talking about that. Um, but the Hebrew word has more like physical implications, I think, than we give it credit for, even though we translate it as soul. Mm-hmm. Usually when we think about soul, we think about it in a very Romanistic Greek way where it's sort of like your ethereal spirit essence. Yeah. Um, like your being. Yeah. Essence. Yeah. I think is the best way to put that in my head, um, unless you have a different definition for that. But uh, I think that it's a little bit more physical than we think about. Like your essence is also tied to your physical form, like who you are as a person, your body. That's interesting. I want to get into that. I'll give you my understanding of what a soul is. So I, I agree. I think a soul and a spirit are distinct. And I guess I am uh, approaching this from a much more uh, Greek thinking, like philosophical background than I am necessarily like a scriptural uh, Hebraic one. <laughs> Jordan Mabe hates the Bible. <laughs> you can clip that as a soundbite, please. If somebody out there watches this I and wants to do disagree that. disagree with scripture. <laughs> no. Um, so my understanding of a soul, and there are Christian philosophers who have done a lot of work on this. Uh, the one I think of most of, I think mostly of is uh, J.P. Moreland. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with him. Yeah, he did the Worship God with All Your Mind. Yes, correct. That's a good book. Yeah. So he, uh, he has done a lot of work on souls. Uh, and the soul spirit body distinction. So he would say uh, humans have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. And those are three distinct. I think he also things. wrote Philosophy for Dummies. Uh, maybe. I'm, I don't know. I'm gonna, sorry, keep you going. You should Google that. I'm going to because that was my philosophy book for my intro to philosophy class. <laughs> uh, so he, he would say those thing, three things are distinct. And um, it has been a while since I've uh, read up on the stuff by him. So I might be uh, misremembering his position a little bit. So if I get some stuff a little bit wrong or I don't explore all the nuances of his exact position, please do not crucify me. I'm going off memory (laughs) here. Uh, So he says essentially that you should take just that's just good advice for anything we say, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Just, to, just to clarify <laughs> i'm sure we are gonna say lots of stuff that's just oh, like I've factually already, incorrect i've already said things where i was like i probably should have clarified that a little bit better yeah 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 okay sorry keep um, going so he would he says essentially that a soul is um like our center of consciousness so he would wrap up consciousness in with a soul in a very like real and distinct way okay um so it's like it's our intellectual center kind of like you were saying that greek idea of it's like it's our it's our thoughts and being in in essence in a real way and then uh our spirit is separate our spirit is like our um our our spiritual presence like our if you're a materialistic dualist um you obviously think that there's the physical world and the spiritual world so everybody has a spirit everybody corresponds to spiritual which i think if you're a christian on on some level like you recognize that yeah yeah there i think there is some nuance to that conversation and i would love to talk about gnosticism sometime (laughs) 
but again that's way outside what's your favorite early church heresy <laughs> uh so that's what he would say and i think i mostly agree i kind of largely hold to that that the soul is likely your center of consciousness you're like your your intellectual presence um so i would say jp moreland is a christian philosopher yes. question mark yes okay. yeah, he yeah, also yeah. he didn't actually write um philosophy for dummies he wrote a philosophy made slightly less difficult uh, which was the other book that i had to read <laughs> <laughs> he's a good dude i love his stuff um yeah so i would hold to that and along those lines um i would say animals have consciousness they have intellectual centers i don't see why okay. they wouldn't have souls uh I guess uh, for like my view, Why and not? this is like, cause this is not um, necessarily part of the conversation because we're talking about heaven. Right. And I would not say, I would say uh, you're saved by your spirit. Right. Uh, and your spirit is what's going to be in heaven. Well, so you're I saved would by the Holy spirit. Yeah. But your, your spirit is what gets saved. Okay. Is what I'm trying your to say. Your body doesn't get redeemed. It does eventually. Or I get not, this but we can get into like new earth distinction what i'm so trying to is... say is the the what i'm trying to get at is i would separate because a lot of people um when you hear people talk about this they say like animals can't be saved so animals don't have souls i would say well do animals, animals can't be, be saved, saved but salvation is not uh salvation is not in reference to the soul necessarily it's in reference to your spirit that's the the distinction I'm trying to make. Okay. I think animals have intellectual centers and intellectual personalities in consciousness. I don't see why they wouldn't have a soul. So I would say everything breathed to life by God likely has a soul. Okay. I'm just going to need some some scripture for that. Uh because there's a plethora let's see this is I don't see a so I'm coming at it from like my understanding of how scripture works. Yeah. My understanding of how scripture talks about salvation and how they talk about new creation. I'm yeah. not saying that there is no animals in the new creation because clearly they're part of the creator. The, the new creation is a restoration of how the world was supposed to be before humanity messed it up. Mm -hmm. um, so there are, I think there are animals there obviously because they're part of the created order, but I, I just don't see in scripture the idea presented that animals on this side of the new creation go up to be you know intermediate heaven state and then brought back down into the new creation you know what um, i'm saying i see what you're saying i will say I'm just, i understand that that's making an argument from saying that there is no argument because it's an argument from silence i was about to call you out for right that, but but the reality of it is is that i build my theology Mm -hmm. Because we're talking about eternal implications off of what scripture says about that. I don't mm -hmm. build my theology off of what I see all the time. Mm -hmm. I build my theology off of what God says, and he doesn't have anything to say about that. Okay. In my mind. Yeah. And from my understanding. Um, and you have to do some pretty, you have to do some philosophy gymnastics work to get to that point. You do. And I, I think this is going to, boil down to a lot to uh, a lot to our um, differences in how we view building theology. Um, 
So I hold very strongly to the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if you do or not. It sounds like you are more prima scriptura. Yeah, I don't like the part of the West. I'm just going to I should you should. The Wesleyan quadrilateral for everybody listening um, is the belief that you uh, it's it's a quadrilateral, obviously, but it says essentially that we pull and build our theological ideas from four sources. And those four sources are scripture, church tradition, reason, and personal experience. Out of those four, I would like to I would like to really drive this home. Scripture is prime, takes a prime spot out of those four. So uh, it's not like tradition and reason and experience are equal to scripture or that they can override what scripture says. Scripture alone has special God-breathed authority. It is simply stating that we pull our theological beliefs from these four things, and those four things are useful and trustworthy in building our beliefs. Um, a lot of people push back against that, mostly, uh, the, again, this is a rabbit trail that does not have to do with what we're talking about. I find it really Well, it has to do with how you process information, how you've arrived at your conclusions, so I think it's relevant. Correct. Um, I find it really interesting. A lot of people push back on the Wesleyan quadrilateral on the basis of experience. Uh, people say that we should not hold personal experiences as theologically building, which... I don't know. This might just because be because I'm a Pentecostal, so you might view this completely differently than me. I think that's an insane belief to hold mm-hmm. that, like, we should not let personal experiences dictate our the- our theology building at all, even a little bit. Like, you can say, "I'm an untrustworthy person," right? I'm a body racked with sin, so some of the things I experience might be untrustworthy and might not necessarily be what. I think they are. Mm. That's totally fine. But to say like experience has no place whatsoever in building theology is just so insane to me. Anyways, that's a rabbit trail. So I hold to the Wesleyan quadrilateral. I think that uh, scripture takes primacy over tradition, reason, and experience. But I think tradition, reason, and experience are very useful and very trustworthy in building theology. Mm-hmm. Um and you know that's the part that I like about the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Yeah, is that its scripture does have the the primary source. Mm-hmm. I don't think that everybody views it that way. To be like upfront, mm-hmm. like when I've heard it talked about, it's mostly like equal footing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's yeah. fine. I do have a big problem with experience, um, and to a lesser degree, I have a little bit of a problem with reasoning. Okay, um, and that's just because we're like sinful. And we're mm-hmm. flawed. Uh, so from the get-go, those areas are tampered with, right? And mm-hmm. then to a lesser degree, tradition is also tampered with because its tradition is set, you know, with scripture in mind, but primarily from the human experience and from reason. Um, and there's certain things that we do in church history. I'm not saying don't regard disregard. I'm not saying that you should disregard church history and tradition. In fact, I, I think I place a higher value on that than most people, most evangelicals do. Most evangelicals don't have time for tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have a problem with experience and some for reason because it's like I 
cannot trust 100% of the time that my experience is an accurate experience. You're hurting my philosopher heart right now. I'm sorry. I am going to push back on this. I want you to finish your, your whole point. though. That's fine. Um, you derailed my thought because you told me <laughs> that you were going to push back. And I was like, what could you possibly be going to say? I messed you uh, up. Yes. Uh, I'm not... I'm not 100%. This is the problem with doing a podcast is that I also have to process things in my head from time to time Mm -hmm. instead of doing it out loud. Uh, I like Sola Scriptura. Yeah, me too. I like it a lot. Um, I don't think that that means in any way that we don't have a place for tradition and reason. Um, But in terms of authority... I don't think that tradition holds authority over scripture in any way. Um, I think tradition comes from scripture. And so if you can back it up with scripture, that's a good thing. If you can back up reason with scripture, if you can back up experience with scripture. But I don't think it's just that scripture has a, a larger emphasis. I think it's that scripture is the foundation to explain those things to me and the reasoning behind why they should exist in the first place. Okay. I'm going to push back. Lay your philosophy on me. I have me. two uh two Destroy main me with your facts and logic. Um first pushback is if you rely completely on scripture, yeah, there's things that scripture just doesn't talk about. Right. You're going to end up with a lot of gaps. Um I think you like you kind of force yourself into making arguments from silence at that point which uh i know you're fond of them joe but they are an exegetical fallacy to <laughs> to make arguments from silence and i think there are things like the one that comes to mind wait wait, wait hold the phone you're you are did you just say that i was fond of making arguments <laughs> from silence i did uh <laughs> ouch <laughs> it's uh it's all in good fun i'm just testing you okay. know i love you cool um the one, th- the thing that comes to my head right off the bat, I don't know why this was the first thing that came to my head, but uh, it's cloning. And I would be floored if there is a theologian alive today who can point out a Bible verse that specifically speaks to cloning in any way. Okay, but then you're just way. being hyper specific. You don't have to be hyper specific with it. There is wisdom in scripture where you sure. can pull from it and say, like, this is not a direct thing that's telling that God says don't do, mm-hmm. but I can infer from the wisdom that he's put in scripture that this is not a good thing to do because of the other ideas that it presents. Sure. That leads into my second criticism. You are reasoning at that point. Yes. You are reasoning yeah, of course with scripture. You are. you are using your interpretation. And so I think when when I talk about the Wesleyan quadrilateral, um, I would say that you know your your criticism was that experience and reason and tradition to a slightly lesser extent can be affected by human sin and can be fallible. Yeah, of course it can. I would agree with that. I would say scripture is suffers from the same exact problem in every single way. Scripture requires interpretation. I don't think does. there's any reason why uh somebody's logic could be flawed but for some reason their interpretation of scripture i'm not saying that it can't be i'm saying that it has 
more authority when properly interpreted my understanding of something mm-hmm. has no bearing on the authority that that thing possesses yes I agree. The, pre- the a police you... officer, whether I recognize his authority and know his name and can properly speak to him with respect, has no yes. bearing on whether or not he has authority. But your personal knowledge and interpretation still dictates whether or not you, as an individual, arrive at that truth. Sure, but to a lesser degree. In what way, to a lesser degree? Because, Jordan, you're Pentecostal. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. I do you. have the Holy Spirit, <laughs> which is why I'm defending the, was- the Wesleyan <laughs> quadrilateral. <laughs> uh, again, I'm not trying to destroy the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Mm-hmm. I think it's fine. I just think that it's not the ultimate source. My experience and my reasoning are not the ultimate source of authority, and so I have to base those off of something, and I'm going to use them to help me understand the authority that Scripture has been given, not sure. to understand. Like, I'm not going out and I'm not looking at animals— and I'm not saying like, oh, look, they have personalities, which I do believe clearly. Like that means that they have a soul. I'm going yeah. to scripture. What does scripture say about these things? And what can I mm-hmm. infer from the wisdom that scripture presents about how I understand the world? I'm right. going to that place first before I'm going to look with my own eyes, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Metaphorically. I would agree. Which is uh, why I'm again starting with scripture when I'm saying I need you to show me I think you where run there's a into place issues, for that. Though. Because scripture is not a, I would say scripture is not about whether or not animals have souls and spirits. Yes. It's not concerned. However, it is about your eternal destiny. Sure. Humans' eternal destiny. Humans' eternal destinies. And so having stewardship over animals is Mm -hmm. like the command that humans are given in the beginning of time. Yeah. Okay. So it's not as though they're, and, you know, we have the Noahic covenant written down here. It's mm-hmm. not as though these things don't matter to God mm-hmm. and that he wants us to be blissfully ignorant of those things, which I'm sure. not I'm not saying that you are saying that for the record. Mm-hmm. But I am saying that it's not as though it doesn't matter and that it's completely silent on these issues because it is talking about the internal implications of not just humanity, even though we're the, you know, Christ is the main character, but we're adjacent. Mm-hmm. Uh of the world like it's talking about the internal implications of not just humanity but also the creation so you were saying that if animals did have souls and spirits scripture would talk about that that would be an important thing that scripture would go over because you have to make that argument to then make your argument from silence uh to make to make a a good argument when we say like the bible doesn't talk about this thing what's heavily implied in that is we would say this is an important thing if the bible wanted to teach this thing if it was important for the bible to teach yeah, this if thing, it was it the main would point. have okay yeah. if it was important to the main through thread yeah yeah that's what you're saying yeah, yeah. but i'm saying it does have things to say about it yeah just not that they have souls (laughs) but to you know sorry i probably capped out the mic to to (laughs) circle back to what i was saying to the beginning was that there's this precedent in scripture right for Mm -hmm. humanity to go to heaven right to to go to the new creation 
And sort of what I was trying to get at was like the whole point is the new creation and that animals are a part of the created order, but there's nothing specifically where it talks about, you know, human or animals transcending. And I'm trying to go to scripture to understand how that works. I would like to uh, really quickly clarify my position Um, because we keep talking about heaven and I, I realize that that's like the common use term and we use it and it's, it's, uh, common way i'm indifferent i have no opinion on whether or not animals will be present in heaven in some sort of spiritual state okay. i do think animals will be remade with creation and present on the new earth why are I they being be, remade are they sinful uh they are not sinful but creation is sinful is but they're part of creation dated by sin yes yeah so all of creation is going to be remade okay yeah. so they just like so I so think suck animals it, will cat. Be you have to get remade, even though your body wasn't sinful. Well, like trees are going to be remade. Yeah, but the, the earth is, gonna get suffers from the curse. Yeah, right? so do animals. Sin. Yeah, yeah. So everything suffers from the. But curse. they're embodied the and they have be, souls. Yeah, they didn't sin though. Yeah. So why do they need to get remade? I. I'm unsure of the argument you're making right now. <laughs> okay. Can you elaborate? I'm just saying, like, because I'm again, I would, I would make a distinction between a soul and a spirit. I don't think animals okay. have spirits that need salvation or spirits that are corrupted by sin. But they do have a spirit, because that we already they have the breath of life in the same way that humans have the breath of life. In that was like the first way. thing that we talked sure. about, though. Yeah. In terms of it, appealing to scripture. Yeah. Uh, it's the same way. I guess this is my problem. Sure. With this whole conversation, which I understand is the limitation that you're getting at from the beginning is that scripture doesn't, but it does. Like hu- animals and humans, the breath of life is what gives us life, right? It's mm-hmm. God's breath in our lungs. It's your breath in our lungs yeah. that gives us life, right? Mm-hmm. Animals possess that in the same sense. It's the same word. Yeah. Like when he floods the earth, everything that has the breath of life implies all of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I guess I just don't, but they're not talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Animals aren't talked about in the same way of having souls because I don't, the word isn't applied to them in the same way. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I just, I guess for me, that's just not compelling. Like I don't see. I don't see any reason why scripture being silent on that specific respect. Because again, if I'm going to define soul as like a consciousness, an intellectual center, I would say, yeah, obviously animals have souls. I can use my reason and my experience going back to the Wesleyan quadrilateral. I can be like, well, my reason and my experience pretty clearly tells me that animals have souls. And because I don't see anything in scripture that explicitly says animals don't have souls, ah, yes. I can't I can't bring scripture into this theological belief building at this point. Uh, church tradition is all over the place. We can talk about that at some point. My favorite thing about church tradition is you can find a church father who believes literally, literally believes anything, anything. Including things that are probably heresy now. Right, correct. Uh, I do so, want to correct myself, though. Okay. Because I looked it up, and the word for nefesh is interchangeable between animals and humans. But okay. I'm not suggesting that that is the same sure. as like your ethereal, essential yeah. spirit essence. Mm-hmm. 
So I would say um, to get to the the brunt of uh, my logical process, I would say it seems to be that my experience in reason dictates to me that animals have souls and they have uh, they have spirit in some sense, uh, which it seems like you agree with. I don't think that we can talk about the distinctives in animal spirit and human spirit, but they seem to have some sort of intellectual center and uh, eternal aspect to them. Um, I don't think spirits just get like snuffed out when animals die. I don't think, or nothing leads what me do you to mean believe by be snuffed out because like if there's a spirit soul distinction, yeah, then their spirit does get snuffed out because their spirit is what gives them life. Like your spirit gets snuffed out, but your soul lives on. I don't think I would attribute. I don't think I would attribute spirit solely to just life, or I guess okay. life in the. I would say, when we die, our spirit and soul goes to heaven. I would like to also note that I don't think, uh, when we talk about a lot of this stuff, we use like we make these distinctions. I don't think it's possible to necessarily like separate a soul from a spirit i think you are a cohesive human and it gets yeah, really messy sure. when you talk about like yeah i mean this part of me is my soul this part of the, me is my here, spirit. here's the problem for me the problem with that is, i agree like mm -hmm. i think that trying to like uh who was it one of the puritans wrote like the fourfold state of man mm -hmm. like spirit physical form like yeah. soul like that kind of stuff um and like i think it is kind of dicey if you're trying to like chop it up mm -hmm. and and try to think about distinctions but with a caveat is for me it, i'm not going to go to my wisdom and experience or excuse me reason and experience but scripture talks about those things differently like mm -hmm. it talks about the spirit it talks about soul mm -hmm. and i think that the reason that it talks about them differently is because they're different so in some sense, I think you can, because scripture does. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what you do with that, but like, I, I don't think that in like, obviously, mm -hmm. like when we try to intellectually reason our way through things, we're going to always fall just a little bit short, right? Because mm -hmm. we're imperfect. So I'm speak for yourself. I'm granting that. But I think that scripture talks about them differently because they're different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I... I think scripture distinguishes between the two. I don't think that necessarily means that they are divisible uh, in any real way. But this uh, this is an interesting rabbit trail. does not have to do with my argument. All I'm saying is, seems to be some eternal aspect to living things. There is nothing that would lead me to believe that animals will not be present on the new creation and i would say animals that we know would be remade and present on the new creation yeah i know this is uh i know this is a huge distinction in catholic theology i don't think there will be death on the new earth at all i don't think there will be human death or animal death or insect death or any other kind so of i death. don't get to have steak ever again uh no but I don't think you'll care. 
Oh, that, uh, that's just the, like, the biggest cop out of anything. <laughs> Anytime anybody talks about the new creation is like, do I get this really cool thing that brings me like actual joy? Yeah. Uh, no. And you got to deal with it. But you won't care anyway. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. See, this C.S. Is, Lewis okay. has really influenced my thought on that topic, by the way. You're really getting me off track. Sorry. Here. I don't think there will be death on the new earth. That's okay, my position. Sure. So I see no he, reason Jordan to believe. Jordan thinks that he can sit across this table when our podcast is titled Sacred Cow and make <laughs> outlandish statements and think that I'm not going to call you out on them and ask you to clarify them. Do you want to talk about the steak thing? <laughs> you seem really upset about not having steak. It's not about the steak. You know that video of the couple on the couch with the nail in the head? No. And he's like, I just want to, you have a nail in your head. And she's like, it's not about the nail. <laughs> you don't know about that video? No. And he's like, I really funny. think that it's about the nail. And she's like, I just have headaches all the time. And he's like, so let me take the nail. And he's like, it's not about the nail. Mm-hmm. Sorry. This is great radio. Why will we kill and eat animals on the New Earth show? Uh, why will we kill and eat animals? Yeah. Is that your position? Because you're blowing back against me about I don't the think there's thing. anything specifically sinful about taking an animal's life. I don't think you should be cruel when you take an animal's life because mm-hmm. it does have life, but I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. And I think that is the case because God allows us to eat animals because of the Noahic covenant. So... Mm-hmm. I think that if it was sin, like God wouldn't allow specifically allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. Animals taste good. Steak brings me joy. I think God does care about that. Do you think that we killed and like you think Adam and Eve killed and ate animals in the garden? Uh, no. Okay. This is the, the new creation is not a complete turntable back to the sure. way things were. It's yeah. Earth 2.0, so there's differences, right? Yeah. Like it's not going to be cap. You're not. Okay, this will be a distinction, but I don't think that it is capable. You will be capable of sinning in the mm. new creation because your your body is power is then powered like fully by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So you're not, and it's a perfect body again, not tainted by sin. So everything, sure. all the sin stuff that nails you down, that it enables you to sin doesn't exist anymore so i don't mm-hmm. think that it's gonna you're it's gonna be capable for you to sin in any yeah way. i guess that just i don't see any reason to you're hold just, to that when we we're talking you're about like just the gonna tell me you can sin you just won't no there no, will no, no. be stake wanna, in heaven that's, you just that's did, a way bigger i don't there is nothing getting back to show me that in scripture there's nothing in scripture that leads me to believe that death will be present on the new earth in any way yeah sure fair enough so i don't to get back to the i don't think you'll care i think i wouldn't uh, be brokenhearted if there wasn't sick in heaven by the way i understand but i won't care this is an argument that people make i think that a uh you have certain inclinations and you might have joy from certain things just because of God's grace to you. Like, can you imagine how miserable you'd be if we fell and had to start eating animals and it just sucked the entire time? So like, it's not that outlandish to me to think that like we enjoy this thing for a time, but, uh, and I just completely lost my second point. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't think I'm not trying to make an argument like, Oh, you just won't care about that thing. But I just, I don't 
see why you would like i'm sure we will i'm sure in a perfect creation there will be stuff that's better than steak i don't know why we would have to hold on so strongly to like killing and eating a specific animal sure on earth God which i might be totally wrong steak. i'm not dying on this hill i might <laughs> like might get to the new creation and like god's like on this wow hill. steak's pretty lit i'm just gonna <laughs> but well, did yeah I don't know. I just like God hasn't made anything that's unclean. A lot of my uh that's facts. Sorry. That's good Bible. That's good Bible. Uh you don't have the whole Bible memorized? You don't? You don't have the whole Bible. Um Um A lot of these beliefs for me boil down to like if Do you have I a reason not to believe it? Well, no, not even that. It's the opposite. Like, do I have a good reason? to believe that animals won't be present on the new earth with us. And I would say, no, I don't have any very good reasons. And uh, cool. my reason and experience leads me to believe the opposite, if anything. So, and again, this is such a, um, I know we've been going hard at this topic, which I've really enjoyed. I'm glad we finally got to a topic that we actually like argue <laughs> that about we disagree the on. point of the podcast, but uh, I could be completely wrong about this 100% and it would not bother me at yeah. all. It's such a, it's a very, very small issue in the grand scheme of things. I trust God to be well, loving and graceful the, to all creation. When you creation. get to the new creation, it's not going to bother you anyway. Yeah. Um, I think exactly the opposite. I don't have a reason to believe that they will be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there's more reason to think that we... Yeah, I just land on the dead opposite side mm -hmm. of like, I just don't see anything in scripture that compels me in any way or my, to a lesser degree, my reason or experience that compels me. You hear that, Socks? Anyway. You're screwed, bud. Sorry, it's not happening. Enjoy your non-existence, you dumb animal. <laughs> I did not say that he was dumb. Um, I Yeah, this, I, just, I feel I, like we've... Again, I could wake up like you said, I could wake up tomorrow and just be like, oh, does Jesus came back? We're at the new creation and socks is here. Yeah, that's cool. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> Dope. But like <laughs> I, that doesn't like, yeah, hurt me at all. Like mm -hmm. I could change. You could wake up tomorrow and you could say like, oh, we found this place in scripture that was has been mistranslated for years and years and years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And it says that animals go to heaven. And I'd be like, oh, cool. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> it's like it doesn't bother me at all. I just don't yeah. have a reason to believe it. Um, or excuse me, I don't have a com I don't feel like I have compelled. a compelling reason from scripture to believe that animals do. Yeah. Um, eventually, I hate to keep bringing up like other things that we should talk about. Eventually, eventually, I would like to talk about uh, epistemology and how we know things in noetic web and things like that. Uh, which is a pretty philosophical topic, but I find that stuff really fascinating. And it kind of feeds back into like two different people can be presented with the exact same evidence and come to two different conclusions just of, because of how we build knowledge. And that's not inherently a wrong or bad thing. It is just a fact of life. Yeah, uh, because we're not all the same. Correct. I do... Uh, wanna, we can talk about this briefly. I don't know how much this feeds into our conversation. I find it interesting. I do want to talk about uh, the Noahic. What did you use? That's it, right? Noahic? Noahic? Noahic Covenant? Noahic Covenant. You've never heard it called that before? The Davidic, um, the Noahic, the Abrahamic? 
I am sure I have. Uh, I just have a little bit of a speech impediment, so I struggle with words sometimes. Oh. Uh, the noetic, the okay. noetic, a little <laughs> so bit of a brain impediment. <laughs> screwed me up. The noetic <laughs> covenant. I do want to talk about that a little bit, because um, I find it, I find it really interesting that God not only makes covenant with man that he's not going to flood the earth again, but also makes covenant with all living things. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fascinating to me. Yeah. So God makes covenant with living with things that aren't isn't man. Well, he has value. Yeah. Like he made his creation and he called it good. So he mm-hmm. values the creation. Yeah. He wouldn't like we and, think about it as like humans are given this thing that God like sometimes we think about it as like humans are given this thing that God didn't actually want. It's like, oh, you steward this so that I don't have to. But it's like the idea is that he wants to rule and reign it with humanity. Like he wants to rule over creation with humanity and they're stewards of the things that he's been given because he cares about these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like it uh it makes me think of the the Matthew verse, uh Matthew ten, right, where it talks about how um talking about like feeding and clothing, does you know, like does God not uh notice or care when a sparrow dies, mm-hmm. right? Um what's implicit in that is that God cares when a sparrow dies, which mm-hmm. I think is really interesting. I think this feeds back to what I was getting at the beginning of the podcast that like we should care about the sanctity of life because God obviously cares about the sanctity of life. Like if God cares when a sparrow dies, we should also care when a sparrow Mm -hmm. dies. But anyways, I just find it interesting. I feel like, uh, evangelical Western evangelicals in general, just kind of don't think about that very often. And that might just be, uh, me and my spheres and like what I've experienced. This might be hugely anecdotal. Um, but I think it's kind of an issue. So I wish Christians would care more about living things. We I should think... talk about environmentalism eventually, because I think that would be a good topic. I don't know where, I don't know if we would agree or not oh, yeah? uh, on all of that. But I think that um, a lot of the times we just don't think about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I'm hopeful that our conversation encourages you, even if you come out on either side of it or you come out on a completely different perspective that either of us have, that you at least consider it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, we have so much time in the day to actually think about things. Um, and I understand that we're super busy and we like to not think about things, but um, it's good to talk about it. And yeah. I think that there's value in conversations like these, especially because uh, it's something that God does care about. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that a lot of the the place that that comes from with people that I've interacted with is just that they didn't know uh, and they'd never considered it that way before. Um, and we sort of like bounce back and forth from opposite ends of the spectrum where we say it's like, oh, it's okay for us to eat animals. Therefore, like God doesn't actually care or I don't I shouldn't actually have to care about animals because like it's okay for me to like kill them and eat them. Um, and I think that that's not the case. Uh, I think that we need to have some nuance to the conversation and say that like we're not meant to like fanatically worship the animal's life, yeah. um, but we're also not meant to just like cruelly get rid of them because we feel like we can and we can have authority over them. Um, yeah. And I think it says a lot about your character as a person, like how you treat other living things. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, if you've never thought about that before, um, don't just brush it off uh, because it's important to think about how you interact with other things that God has created. It says a lot about you as 
a person um, that loves God and says that they follow after Christ. Um, so don't be like needlessly cruel. <laughs> Just yeah. recognize like uh, it's an important conversation on some level um, because it talks about how you value life that's not your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that, as I said in the beginning of this, not that animals have the image of God. So there's a marker that makes us unique and distinct. We're not on the same level. Um, but you should still value that because God says it has value. Uh, and that is the Bible. Amen. That'll preach. That'll preach. Praise up. <clears throat> Good stuff. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, as always, if you have questions or comments, if you have we, tuned would, in. we would love to hear uh, your feedback. And uh, if we said anything that's just like blatantly wrong and you want to call us out about it, please do, because I love being called out. Uh, I love being correct about things. And so if I'm incorrect about something, I would like to know immediately and not go on believing that I'm correct about something that I'm not correct about. And I would also just like to have a conversation about it because like I feel like a lot of the times we just don't talk to people that we think are wildly wrong. Mm-hmm. And we just walk around and sort of hate that person in our head because how of how wrong they were. Yeah. Um. And like, just so don't be offended. Mm-hmm. Uh. Please listen with grace. Uh. And have a conversation about because that's how relationship happens. Don't just yeah ignore it. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Catch you later.